Hello and welcome to Two Beers, Please. I'm Matthew Smith. I got my guy Yannick with me as always, and we are ready to bring you all the news from the sports world. It's a, a massive sports weekend ahead. We'll have our NFL picks as Yannick tries to keep on gaining some ground on me and our picks. Conference champions will be crowned all over college football as the bowl games and the college football playoff will all come to light by this Sunday. And not to be outdone, college basketball has some big-time games, including probably the biggest game of the year, at least so far, uh, which, of course, includes our Hawkeyes. I got my Iowa basketball shirt on already. I'm nervous as hell, but I can't wait. I can't wait. Like, it's fun. It's one of those things where it's like, I keep telling myself that I'm just happy to, like, be in this sort of game, and I'm like, we just got to compete, and, like, I'll be good, but I also know if we lose, I, I will be extremely disappointed. Right, exactly. I will be too. Uh, you know, we'll talk about the game a little later, so I won't say too much about it. But yeah, I mean, that such is the 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 bearer of the crown, right? Whenever your team's doing well, there's another team that they have to beat to to get there. And you it's gotta true. you got the you gotta beat the best to be the best. I love that saying, and it's just I say it every time every time my teams get drawn against really hard teams, I'm like, Well, you gotta beat the best to be the best. That's just like what it is. If we're going to, I mean, if we want to legitimately win the national championship, we're going to probably have to beat Gonzaga at some point. So, like, right. bring them on. Uh, yeah. But it'll be a good measuring stick and, and should be an extremely exciting game, as Yannick said. We'll, we'll get into it a little bit more later on. Of course, got to push the Facebook page. Two beers, please. Please go like and share that if you haven't. Always the more followers, the better. The Instagram page, two beers, please, underscore podcast. And the Twitter page, 2BP underscore podcast. We just talk sports and we don't say dumb shit like vaccine conspiracy theories or cancel people like Lizzo for living their life and trying to be healthy. It's it's a it's a no win situation out there on social media. But uh, follow us. It's a it's a nice it's a good respite from all the morons out there. Right. I feel like our I and I I follow a lot of pages both like personal and sports wise. I feel like we do a pretty great job of, of hitting the line. I really do. I never, I think so I never look at our site and I'm, yeah, I never look at either of our sites, the Twitter or the Instagram page, and I'm like, oh, that's, mm, don't like that. Or And I also, and vice versa, I still feel like both pages have a good voice where they're like, it's not like we're ignoring everything in the world. Like we're not talking about it. And, you know, we're just on sports. And like, if you don't like it, leave. I think we do a good page of uh, a good job of kind of towing the line there. It's it's kind of like like our show. It, it's like we want to be attuned to the the world of today, but like at the end of the day, it's it's nice to sometimes just just listen to sport. I remember I had I think it actually was Chris, who was like my my roommate, uh, who Yannick knows well, who was like because even my normal Twitter page, like there's sometimes where I'll get political or whatever, but for the most part, like I just kind of tweet about sports and my teams, and Chris was like. You know, I actually kind of like that. Like, it's just nice that, like, there's someone on Twitter that just is like, whatever, this is what I'm here for. And and it is because right. you're never, you're never going to convince anybody on social media. Like, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a no-win situation. Like, people get on there just, just to be assholes. But uh, how, how are you feeling today, Jan? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. You know, last couple days, uh, the last weekend kind of uh, before I go back to Iowa – so I'm in I'm in kind of organizing and packing mode uh, before Monday when I head back. Uh, had a little bit of a scare. My roommate uh, was feeling kind of sick, 
and he got tested and I was like, well, here we go. I'm going to get stuck in New York. Uh, but luckily he tested negative. So we're all good there. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to be back. I'm actually taking three weeks um, into Iowa. So I'll, I'll be there till January 11th. Nice. Right. Yeah. Cause you know, I, for me, it's like, I want this trip to really be a nice transition into the new year rather than, you know, me rushing back to be with family and then rushing back to what, like, there's nothing here right now. So it's kind of like, I want to take this time to really like, okay, let's focus in, let's get the sleep, let's get the exercise and then let's go in. Like, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, no, I, I totally know exactly what you're saying. I, I already had even one of my friends from New York being like, when are you coming back? And I'm like, I I do not know. I'm not going to rush back to uh, sit in my apartment all of January because oh. like, I, I mean, I can run outside, but when I got a treadmill at my house, cause like my mom's such a big runner, why, why wouldn't I take advantage of that? And there's my job's not back. So yeah, I, I definitely, definitely know what you're saying. I'm doing well myself. Christmas spirit is in full swing over here in the Smith household, all the baking and the wrapping and lights everywhere. So love that. And uh, truly looking forward to spending probably upwards of 12 hours tomorrow, just on the couch. I'm going to, oh, I'm going to get the college set up of two TVs so that I don't miss any of the action all day. And it uh, should be a blast of a day. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully it starts well, but. Yeah. 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 I'm at work this weekend and I was like, Oh boy. Like I, I'm going to know at work what the score is and I'm going to have to try not to look at my phone the whole time. Oh gosh. I'll be right with you. I'll be right with you, sir. I'm, uh, I'm paying attention to the Gonzaga Iowa game. Yeah. It's like, excuse me, sir. Mr. Garza is it was first. I have to I have to see what's happening here first, and I'll be right with you. Thank you. Wait your wait for your damn cookie. All right, <laughs> there is a there is a god playing. It was just a snowstorm anyway. Why are you here for a cookie? Why aren't you watching this game? Everyone should be watching this game, right? Because I work in Soho, and that's what they that that's what they want. They're like, um, I didn't get my cookie. I want a cookie. <laughs> Entitled New Yorkers. Ugh. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's make our way over to the pub, Jan. What are we uh, sipping on today? Oh, you know what? I am sipping on a nice cup of Joe. It's it's my friend Joe. Uh, I I have uh, truth be told, drank a little too much alcohol this week, and uh, I you know what? I just want to keep it straight with you guys. I, I drank a little too much alcohol this week, and so I I unfortunately I had to call it a little bit off this one. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the coffee is doing, doing me well. How about you, my friend? Hey, it, it happens to the best of us. Uh, I'm uh, I went, I went a, a little classy. I was feeling classy today. So I, I got myself some Woodford reserve bourbon and, uh, made myself an old fashioned best, my favorite, my favorite cocktail. And I figured, you know, it's Friday. It's a big weekend ahead. I can upgrade the beer to, to something a little stronger. So I got just a timeless old fashioned in hand. So don't, you can do the coffee since I, you know, I got, I got a strong one over here going for us. Right. That, I mean, that's the difference people between being in New York and not being in New York. I'm like, Oh my God, I've been drinking and I haven't realized it. Now I just need some coffee. And Matt's like, I've been, I've been relaxing. I have some time to make myself an old fashioned. It's really nice. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. I, I feel like too, I haven't really like I know there was so much like about like people drinking a lot during the pandemic and I never really did. I've like, I've, you did, you know, I, had, I had a drink here and there, but like, I, I was pretty like, nah, I don't really need one. I don't, I don't know why. 
Yeah. Like whenever I, I'm on my health grind and I was like on that for a while, I'm always like, eh, do I really want the calories or whatever of a of like one or two beers? And I'm always like, no, I don't. There you go. I mean, for me, when I was quarantining with my family, I didn't drink at all, really. So I was like March to March to July, I had maybe two drinks. Uh, and then I got to New York. And and that was that. And then the election happened. And then everything happened. And I was like, oh, oh man, I just I, I you know, it was good for me. Here's what I'm gonna say. It was good for me. Because uh, I, as you probably know, we've drank enough for you to know this. Uh, there's an infamous Iowa, Iowa state game from the first time I was in New York. That reminds you of this. I am, uh, what one might call a lightweight. And so I, um, Dude, we, we all were on one that one that day. That was, that was a great day. Oh, that was a great day. Um, I am what one might call a lightweight. And I feel like my daily drinking a little bit has has soothed me into just a just a little bit more of a of a tolerance so that I'm not embarrassing anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's it's like a good you compose I, I yourself point. a little more. Right. It's like, okay, so I can do three drinks and not be an absolute monster. Got it. Perfect. Love that for me. Love that for me. <laughs> I always make the mistake of like starting to like drink before i've like well, i mean i'll have eaten but like i won't eat dinner and i'll start like drinking and then like by the time i eat the what's done is done and there's you know there's no coming back and it like dang it i dug this hole for myself and that's that's when i can can find myself in trouble where you're like dang these drinks are feeling like uh, a little stronger than normal without a little food in the system Oh, yeah, that's what it is, people. It's not the alcohol. It's the food you did or didn't eat before the alcohol. That is just what it is. It's true. It's just every time. Every time. <laughs> All right, Jan, let's get into it. Uh, you know, there's there's nothing I'm too upset about with this episode to, uh, to have a fly I'm in my so beer. happy for you. Or to, have, or to have a fly in my, my cocktail, I suppose. Although I will say, can we stop putting any credence into preseason basketball? My, my goodness, it's as meaningless as it gets. Shut up, people. I don't care that LaMelo Ball made a three-pointer in the preseason. It doesn't matter. It's so true. I, I got that notification. LaMelo Ball hits back-to-back threes. I'm like, I freaking hope he can. Or like, like Steph Curry had 29 points. Like, yeah. Tell me what he does that in the playoff. Like it, right. so that, that is the only thing where I'm like, shut, shut the hell Anthony up. Edwards can block in the NBA and you're yeah, like, right. Great. LeBron I, James plays basketball. <laughs> oh, I had no idea. That's like, amazing. What relax. insight. <laughs> it's, relax. Just because, it's because everyone's like, okay, we want to be able to hit the big storylines before they happen in the season. So they're just like throwing everything up against the wall and then eventually something sticks. So if like LaMelo Ball is great this season, right? Whoever wrote that three that three point shot update is gonna be like, I knew it from the moment he hit that three point shot in preseason. I, I called knew it. it. I called it. And you're like, oh, whatever. When he has a very average year, we'll make them all pay the piper as well. Like, yeah. I, I get being excited about basketball being back. Like, I, that, I'm, I'm cool with that. Like, be excited. Basketball's almost on its way. But, like, right. I don't remember. And it's weird because I see that only in preseason basketball, too. Like, nobody in preseason football, and maybe because, like, most of the stars don't play as much. But, like, nobody was good, would be like, Patrick Mahomes threw six touchdowns in preseason football. Like he's going to have a great year because we know it doesn't mean anything, but I'm getting to the point where there almost is a a fly in my cocktail. So let's move (laughs) on. Jan, we're going to head to the kitchen instead of the bar. We were leaving the bar, going to the kitchen. 
I wanted you to give me a recipe that you've fallen in love with over these many months of, as you said, family quarantine and having to stay inside, either something that you've discovered or something that you always wanted to try or make or, or just something that you've really mastered and, and cooked a lot of. So what have you been cooking up over the, the tough pandemic? Um, you know what I've gotten really into, and it's not that I didn't eat them before, but I didn't really make them before all that much. And, and everybody, everybody who's listening to this, let me tell you what the best kind of breakfast food to make is, especially when you've got time and like, you've got nothing to do in the day. Breakfast tacos. Breakfast tacos are the best kind of breakfast food. It's just so, so good. You can just put whatever you want in there. I've, I've done variations with avocado and onions and peppers. Uh, my favorite ones to make are called, they're called peasant breakfast tacos uh, because it's eggs, roasted potatoes, peppers, and mushrooms in a corn tortilla with a little sriracha sauce. Oh, it's just everything you could want. And you can make one if you're not feeling too hungry. You can make two if you are. Oh, breakfast tacos. That's where I'm going to go. Breakfast tacos are just the bomb. And I, it's just, what an, what an invention. Dude, I agree. That's a great choice. I like, I swear for so many years, especially in college, like when I'd be with my like friend, like a group of friends who would be like, oh, let's make some like a meal or whatever. And like somebody would suggest tacos. I always would be like, let's make breakfast tacos because there's something about it. It's just like a little bit better. And I'm not that I don't love a taco, but like it's just it's a little more fun to make maybe because you got, you know, eggs and you throw ground beef. And like you said, like you can really kind of do whatever you want with it. So I like that. That's a great choice. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Mine, uh, mine's a scotch egg. I, uh, I studied in London for a month and it makes me so upset now that I was not like attuned to them. I, I actually learned about them from Anthony Bourdain, certainly uh, a hero of mine. And he loved scotch eggs. It was like his favorite pub treat. So now it's, it's always one of my guilty pleasures when I go to a British style pub. I'm not sure Smithfield has them and that's, it makes me upset that they don't. Um, but I finally decided, I was like, I'm home. I'm going to make my own. And it sounds like more complicated than it is. You take a hard-boiled egg, wrap it in ground pork, and then you coat that in oats and breadcrumbs, and you throw that into the oven for about 30 minutes. And it sounds like the most peculiar like dish as hell. Like I have to concede that. But it like really is a great comfort food. So I've become a bit of a master at, at making scotch eggs. Wow. You're going to have to make – you know what? Me and Matt, next time we're hanging out and like after a game night, we're going to do some breakfast tacos scotch and scotch eggs. eggs and breakfast oh. tacos. Hell yes. Oh, yes. And then we're going to we're going to feel like shit the rest of the day. Yeah. We're Woo! love. It. That's fine. You know, sometimes as long as you go into a meal like that, knowing that you're like, um, I'm not going to feel incredible after this. It, it makes it a little easier. I love it. I love it. Very excited for that. <laughs> All right, Jan, let's uh, partner up and give our, our shout-out for the episode. I'm going to let you give your shout-out first. All right. Well, you know what? Everybody on the podcast, including my friend Matthew, I know. Like, I'm aware. I talk a lot about my Bayern Munich boys. But just give me the floor uh, another time, if you would, because my shout-out for, uh, for the week is it, for the episode but for all time, really, Robert Lewandowski voted best player in the world at the FIFA's best and uh, at the FIFA's best awards beats Messi and Ronaldo. He's the only player besides Luka Modric to win the award other than Messi and Ronaldo since 2008. 
You know, he had a fantastic season, 55 goals and a treble winning season. He didn't get to win the Ballon d'Or because they canceled it, which was bogus. But I'm so glad that so stupid. this is this is basically it. So I'm I'm OK with that. And and um, it's a good consolation. And also for Bayern fans, we've had this opportunity actually two different times uh, in the last decade. Right. In 2013, Bayern won the treble and Frank Ribéry was up for the award, but they gave it to Ronaldo. And in 2014, Manuel Neuer, who led his team to a World Cup victory, in didn't was also up for the award, and they did he didn't get it. And so Bayern has had this thing of going up against Messi Ronaldo, and even though they've achieved a lot, not getting the award. And what better player to kind of break that duck than Robert Lewandowski? Honestly, the best number nine in the world, without a doubt. Uh, he scored two goals against Wolfsburg to get us a tight win this weekend, which just seemed like it was very apt given coming into this uh, competition. You know, I've given him a lot of shit over the last two years because sometimes he disappears when he when we feel like he's the best number nine. Where is he? But uh, but, you know, I, I, I do think, you know, you look at his accolades, they speak for himself. You know, you you want him to be more than he is, but he's not a player like Messi Ronaldo, that ever the ball is around him all the time. But he has the clinical uh, nature of a striker um, that he just finishes everything that he can. Uh, class player, so glad that we got him from Borussia Dortmund. He was like the last player we got from Borussia Dortmund before they were like, maybe we shouldn't sell our players to Bayern anymore. <laughs> maybe we shouldn't give all of our top prospects to our biggest rival. I don't know. I think that might be why we don't win anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just so happy for him. And uh, on top of that, we had three different other players in the FIFA's top 11, uh, you know, with Kimmich and Alfonso Davies and Manuel Neuer being named goalkeeper of the year. So great, uh, great award show for Bayern. But Robert Lewandowski is my shout out. A well, a well-deserved shout out and well-deserved FIFA player of the year. Um, I like, like you said, he certainly is. He like, he's the best number nine. And I think the criticism of him is, is fair because there are times where you're like, Dude, where the hell are you? Like, you're so impactful. Um, and it's it's one of those times where, like, you see a guy be so impactful that when they're not that impactful, it's you, you question what's going on with them because he's he's just incredible. He's he's amazing. And, uh, yeah, I think, By- I think Byron's gotten hurt by, like, just having such a solid team. Like, I think Franck Ribéry got, like, kind of shafted a little bit because that team was just so good with so many – like – how, how does Thomas Mueller not have like one top three finish in like the player of the year war? Like, because they're just such a good team and stuff. So, which is kind of an, an unfair thing to like have be held against you as a player. But uh, a, a wonderful shout out. I, I, my, myself, I, I use my shout out quite a lot to be a bit of a homer, but uh, this is a story that, that we haven't really touched on yet. And it hasn't gotten a lot of traction in, in the States. Marcus Rashford, Manchester United forward is my shout out. And and although he, he did have two goals yesterday for United, my shout out has nothing to do with the 23 year olds play on the pitch. As we all know, this pandemic has hurt so many people. Uh, and in the UK, like the US, many children unfortunately require the free meals that schools provide. And the UK government provided vouchers during the first lockdown in April. But in the summer months, they were not going to do that, uh, insisting that there was enough support in the benefit systems to, to take care of the, the kids. And that didn't sit right with uh, Marcus Rashford. And he began a fight to make sure that these children wouldn't have to worry quite as much about where their next meal would come from. And his campaign quickly gained traction. 
and it forced the hand of the British government to provide meals through summer. And now he's actually done it again with meals being provided through the Easter holiday. His campaign, it's seen support from all over the UK, many businesses even voicing their support and wanting to help in any way possible, including like food places being like, hey, how can we get food out to, to people that need it? And it's one of those things that it does make me a little upset, similar to kind of the Dimba Ba situation when, when having to deal with racism. This isn't a fight that Marcus Rashford should have to have or have to make. And he himself grew up like many of these children he's trying to fight for. And it, it, it just makes me so frustrated that this is the world and the society we have. Like, isn't it time we change that? Like, I, I know inequality has been a part of, of the world for hundreds and hundreds of years, but we are more connected now than we ever have been. Like, it's time to end the inequality of rich and poor, of the haves and the haves nots. And, and no child should ever have to be in that position. No, no person should. We have to do better and taking care of one another because we're all in this crazy life thing together. Uh, but it is a fight that sadly had to happen. And um, I've been a Manchester United fan for probably around 10 years now. And the work Marcus Rashford has done, it's um, it's probably the, the most proud I've ever been to call myself a fan of, of any team or of any player. Uh, that That's a hero. I apologize. That's um, you know, That's someone we can all aspire to. And he was quoted as saying, I'm fully committed to this cause and I will fight for the rest of my life for it because in my mind, no child should ever go hungry. And I don't think anyone can disagree with that. So what are we all going to do to change that? What are we going to do to end something that is, it's an atrocity. Uh, but thank you, Marcus Rashford, uh, for inspiring us to, to all be better and do better. Yeah, exactly. I mean, very well said and a very and a very good shout out because ah oh, you're just you're right there's there's it, it it as as so many different atrocities in the world it's the people that experience them are the ones that are fighting against the continuation and it, it does become you know of course there's so many players you know at good allies that have come out and spoken in favor but it, you know the way that we shift the tide of these of these diseases of the world that exist, you know, of hunger, of poverty, of racism, of, of sexism, of a religious persecution is not by the same people who were persecuted that got out spending their lives fighting it. The way that you do it is by everybody fighting it together because otherwise it stays where it is, right? Because the fight that's being had is being undermined by the actual thing itself. But it, the more people you have fighting, the actual progress you can make and yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it, it speaks to what, what is an ally, what is an ally, right? And so many people are like that. It's like, it's like when everything happened about the Black Lives Matter movement in the US, I mean, you, you, we spoke, speak so much about social media. I mean, how many of our friends, how many of us, you know, spoke in support, you know, when everything was there, but then like, didn't back it up with action. Like, that's just the truth. Like that. And, and like, that's not saying we're anybody's a bad person, but it's we have to change what our mentality around allyship is. It's not about I don't if you don't say anything, but you do things and I don't know about it, then you are a better person. I don't need to know that you're a better person. Like that's what it is. And and um and you know, I, I'm I'm guilty of that as well, you know, and, and so I, I think we all are because it's so much easier to say what we believe in than to do anything about it when it doesn't actually affect us. And um 
you know, we come from Iowa that, that, you know, in, in terms of that, uh, problem is it, you know, it doesn't have a lot of experience. And so I, I think that, I think that, yeah, it's just time to change the narrative around what allyship is, um, and, and change who's at the front of the line fighting the battle. It shouldn't just be the people that have had to fight the battle their whole lives. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. And I mean, Marcus Rashford, if I, I mean his whole life, it, it's, it's so again, in so many battles, uh, just a, a class guy, just uh, truthfully, I, it, it's hard to believe. And at, at such a young age, too. It's not this guy who's had... He's a, he's a kid. He's like a the kid. Guy, the guy's a child. And the, and the fact that he's doing this fight... And I think, too, when we when we bring up like athletes like him, because the, the people that want to you know not have an argument in good faith are like, well, he's a millionaire football player. Why isn't he doing more with all of his money? And it's like, you you don't understand the hierarchy of our world. That's exactly what the billionaires and the people really in control of this world want you to say. They want the, the lower rungs of the world to attack the, the medium rungs when they're the ones that can make the massive change. Because at the end of the day, it's all about money. And uh, like the, the fact, I love Marcus Rashford too, because like Marcus Rashford is like, he's so committed to this fight where he could absolutely go out and, and rip Boris Johnson and rip the government. But he's like, that's not going to help me win this fight right now. I like right now I have to work with them and I'm not going to get anything done if I don't. And his focus just being on that fight, I think is commendable because it has to be tough to, to not be like, you guys are idiots. You guys are dumbasses. But he's so like, he knows it's not about him. He knows it's a, it's a bigger problem than that. And, and that, that ability to have such a, a worldview and, and, you know, have that much empathy for so many different people, whether whether you've walked the steps or not is, is commendable and it's not an easy thing to do. And, and you're right. There's with social media, I think we all have a performative part of our lives and I don't think performative acts on social media are inherently a bad thing, but if they're not, but if they're not, you know, coinciding with, with actually what you, you know, are trying to do, if you're not also trying to, to walk the walk while talking the talk, then, then it becomes meaningless and, and they're like, there's, there's nothing to it, but uh, yeah, it's the guy, the guy is an absolute badass, and he, he's one of those players where I love him so much. We're like, even if he's having a couple bad games, like I, I can never, I can never like critique him. Cause he's just, he's a guy that just is age beyond his years. Uh, so we, we commend you, Marcus Rashford. And we can, we commend everybody that, that is, in that fight against world hunger, against all the other, uh, you know, difficulties that, that people face in this world, because, uh, like I said, we're, we're all in this shit together. Yeah, we are. And, um, it kind of embodies the spirit of sports are nice, but they're, you know, they're the thing that comes second. Always. The first thing is being a person and, and what that means to you. So I, yeah, I just agree. And I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. All right, Jan, let's uh, we'll get off the soapbox for a bit before I, you know, start tearing up more on this fun podcast we're supposed to be doing. Hey, it was great. It was fantastic. (laughs) Don't you even. It's uh, that's the actors in us. You know, we're always just uh, putting on a show. I I really was tough. No tears at all. But uh, (laughs) let's do some wind sprints. Let's go over the uh, the big news from the sports world. I'm going to start baseball. 
Cleveland baseball team will no longer be the Indians after 105 years. I think personally, I think it's a great move, the right move. Uh, also just geographically incorrect. But uh, I li- also like some of the ideas of the new teams. I, I kind of dig the Rockers. It's not like the smoothest name, but you got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame there. I always kind of like when it has something to do with the team name. What are your, what are your thoughts on Cleveland changing the name and what a, a possible name might be for, for them? Oh, I love that. Give me the Cleveland Rockers. That's great. You know, the it's Cleveland. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Anything, anything. Else. I, I'm, I mean, I'm super happy that they're changing the name. They could literally pick anything and I'll, and it's better. And we, and you know, what's funny. We talked about this, right? We had an episode early on yeah. where we, talk, we talked about it and it's, and it's about time, you know, Washington changed it and Cleveland changed it. So I'm sure we'll see Atlanta probably think about changing theirs as well. And, you know, it, it, it is about time, I think. And um, yeah, I, I think, I don't know. I don't know. A potential name. I, I don't really know all too much about Cleveland, I suppose, to. Uh, yeah, I don't know too much about like like when Washington did it. I was like, oh, I have like all this information about the Capitol. But yeah. Cleveland, I think it should be something with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I love that. When I think of Cleveland, I think of LeBron James. So which I mean, if the baseball team changed their name to the Cleveland LeBron Jameses, I I think they'd become my new favorite team. The Cleveland LeBron Jameses, and they're and then they're just like, I don't know, we're not trying to hide it. This is our biggest fan. <laughs> yeah, this is our dude. Like, this is Cleveland. Uh, yeah. Besides the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and like Rivers, I what sorry, about the Kings? I don't know. Cleveland Kings, the Kings of Rock, then or like I love the Ooh. King James, the Kings of Rock, and then King James. It kind of works out both That's ways. That's a there. good one. That's a real Wait, good one. Because there's no Kings, I don't think, in baseball. There's the L.A. Kings in in uh, hockey. But that's it. Yeah, and Sacramento Kings. But, like, as long as you – who cares? Like, clearly there's a million Tigers in all of the sports. So, clearly <laughs> we don't care too much about if, uh, you know, there's a uh, repetitive name. Like, last year's college football playoff was the Tigers against the Tigers. So, I like I like the Kings. I like that one a lot. All right, Jan, we're going to go to NBA. The NBA is investigating the Clippers and Jerry West in, I suppose, would be called a a tampering violation. A lawsuit claims that a man close to Kawhi was promised $2.5 million for information on how to sign Leonard. What are your thoughts on on this storyline? I mean, I think that, I don't know, I, I... it probably happened, right? I mean, do you, do you remember the do you remember the stuff that like the craziness around Kawhi this time last year? I mean, it was like who, where was he going to go? Kawhi watch was on, like it literally, and then he just ended up at the Clippers, and it was like, oh, and he had a last minute say on Paul George. You think that he didn't also like, you know, get another like a little bit extra somewhere to get go? I, I think it's probably true. I think it's probably true. <laughs> Here's my thing. Like, what is this? College basketball? I like I think base I think basically all of the tampering garbage in the NBA is as stupid. Like, it's the stupidest thing in the world. These are grown ass adults who will be making whatever decision they want. And if the, you know, if some of this so-called tampering has an impact on their decisions, then I personally don't care. Like if a guy was like, hey, Jerry West, um, if you sign Paul George, Kawhi Leonard will come to your team. I, okay. Like this. Right. What is wrong with that? This this is the NBA. Yeah. It's not like some back door, like door deals that have something to do with war and governments and things like that. Like 
It's signing a player to your team. And like, you don't think there's tampering going on all the time with texts and conversations. Like how naive are we going to be NBA? Right. And professional sports in general. I mean, OBJ is going to every team on the sidelines being like, sign me. Like you're saying that's not tampering. <laughs> like, I, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I, I do kind of get it in the sense of and who like, cares? Like, who cares if I he does that? Right, exactly. I, I, I just think I get it in the sense of like, if you're trying to put a cap on how much money is spent, like, because something like that can set a precedent for worse things. So I, I do get, I do get them in like not wanting it to happen, but like what the punishment here is, is probably going to piss me off, whatever it ends up being. It seems like it's going to be a big punishment. I'm like, okay, like just find them, find them. Well, and then like, I guess, so my thing too is like, well then, you know, what would be an easy way for them to get around it. If I'm Jerry West, the guy that gave me that information, Hey, I just hired you to come join the Clippers organization. And now you're just an, an, like an analyst or an assistant, like free agent person where like, is that, is that what the NBA wants to happen? That like these people are a part of the organization and then giving their insight. Cause I don't know what the problem is with somebody giving insight on, on how to get a player. Like I, I assume most front offices have those guys that are a part of the like organization anyway. They're called scouts. Yeah. Like, I, like, it, like what? I don't, and also it's yeah. not like he, he was always going to go to the Clippers. He wanted to go yeah. to LA. Like maybe he was, maybe he was like putting the pressure of like, Hey, you should sign Paul George and it'll really make me want to come there and stuff. But like he was going to sign with the Clippers. It's, it just seems, I, I get where you're coming from. And I, and I get that of like, it could become a slippery slope, but I don't really think we're there. And, and I think the sense of tampering is like, these guys are always having conversations about like, Hey, we should get together sometime. Like, you don't think KD and Kyrie talked about getting together in Brooklyn at some point? Right. And you don't think like DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall talked about, you know, the possibility of John Wall going to Houston before he did. Like, they, everybody knows. Like, everybody knows. Like, there is a group text between every famous player that's out, especially in the NBA, because they're so close compared to some, like, NFL players that aren't necessarily all good buddies. Like, the NBA is a family. So they all, it is all family in the family and everybody knows everything that's happening. And so I, yeah, I agree. I, it's just the NBA does so many things right. And then just guess. This is the one time where you're just like, what are you doing NBA? (laughs) Right. And they, but they do this all the time, right? They're so good in comparison to like Goodell in the NFL or, or Manfred in the MLB in so many ways. Right. But then they do some dumb shit like this. And I'm like, why, like, why are we, hold on a second. Why, why are we doing this? We were doing so well. You know what seems like a far more tampering thing to me? Rejecting a Chris Paul trade to the Lakers. Like, did I want Chris Paul to go to the Lakers? No, but I think that was so stupid that the NBA could be like, no, we're going to overrule it. You, you can't go to the Lakers. Like, that seems far more hand, like puppeteering hands and, and pulling strings and stuff than like guys being like, Hey, this is how you could sign this person or Hey, let's go play together. Like what? Right. I, I agree. And also like, there's, I still, how did that Bogdanovich thing play out? Because that seems like a scandal worth looking at, but that seems like something much more worth investigating. Yeah, I, still I remember what happened happen. totally with that one. Right. I don't think we ever found out. And I'm like, did the Bucks do something like illegal in trying to get him? Cause that's also a big thing. 
And that involves getting a player to come so that Giannis stays. So, you know, interesting stuff. But that's not the fight that I want to have this whole L.A. thing. Yeah. I think the Bogdanovich stuff might have been like he wasn't going to accept his like player option. So then he was it was like possible for him to be traded. And then he decided to accept like I think I think it was all on, you know, quote unquote on board. But uh, yeah, it's like I agree with you where that seems weirder than like guys being like, hey, let's play together or like, hey, if you pay this pay me this money, I'll tell you how to sign Kawhi Leonard. Like, I, I don't know why that's that bad of a thing like maybe if the guy had gone to every nba team and was like hey you all should pay me two million dollars you each pay me two million dollars i'll tell you how to get Kawhi." like then maybe we look at it as like that seems a little circumspect but like if a team can find somebody to help them get a big time free agent seems okay to me Right. I, it's just information. Like I, I, I get information is power, but also like, yeah, you're trying to get an advantage over other teams. As long as it's not like spending more money than you have, or like, or like an outside party, like as long as it's not an outside party that is like literally shaking down players, like come to LA or we'll get you in your fam. Like yeah, why is blackmail? The- or- right. Exactly. Then we, then we should, should, we should, we should put a stop to blackmail hundred percent. Yes, blackmail with this podcast, and we're not afraid to say it. This podcast is hundred percent against like blackmail. The Parks and Rec episode when uh, it's like the big debate, and uh, Paul Rudd's character is like, "I'm against crime, and I'm not ashamed to admit it." And everyone cheers, that. and Leslie knows just like, "What? Are you kidding me?" That is the worst. That is the easiest thing to say. No, yeah, and I, it, you know, it's absurd. I, yeah, it is absurd. And and one last thing I'll say, like, even if they had all this information, Kawhi is still allowed to say no. He's like, so you're right. He wanted to go to the Clippers. So granted, this needed to happen maybe to get him there. But he could have said, hey, I know you did all this, but I changed my mind. And then that would have been that. So, yeah. And I I, I find it hard to uh, to really believe that that Jerry West, a, a general manager who's had quite a lot of success with several uh, teams. Uh, he's an eight-time NBA champion as an executive. He, he kind of knows what he's doing. I, I find it hard to believe that he needed some guy to tell him get Paul George and then Kawhi will come. Like I, Jerry West kind of knows what he's doing, but uh, yeah, just just ridiculous. And finally, last wind sprint, Jan Kirk Herbstreit has said he thinks college football's postseason is as bad as there is, and something needs to change. Do you agree? He says college football, the postseason is as bad as it is. Mm-hmm. In in what way? I don't understand that. Um, he he said it's too repetitive. He doesn't like just the four teams. It's always the same team. Like he 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 just does. He, I think he thinks the whole thing is is not. I, I think he just thinks it's bad. I don't agree. I don't agree. I I I think like I get what he's saying, right? Because you know, oh, how from all these great teams are you gonna like whittle it down to four? That's so boring. But at the same time, you know, there's a reason those four teams are the best and they beat out the teams that they need to beat out in the regular season that don't get a chance to do it. And like you could, I guess, orchestrate some kind of larger playoffs, I suppose, where like, you know, like a March Madness situation. But, you know, these players like the problem with the problem with football, right, college football, more than other any other college sport is that. There is a real fear from these players as soon as they start getting stock 
that like they get injured and they ruin their careers before they even get there. So why would you put more teams through more of this idea of like, and now you have to play through this, you know, tournament at the end where more teams have to play and, uh, and there's more likelihood that you get injured before the draft in this tournament that really doesn't matter. Like it matters. I get it. But like in their careers, which they are looking to be pros doesn't actually matter, you know? So it's like, if you're fighting in that top four, yes, then you want the challenge. You're in the top four, then it matters. But if you're just there to be in this round of 16, get eliminated the first game, I don't think that's nice as good as like going to a bowl game for like a good season and having a win. I don't completely disagree. I, I, we, think- we're, we're, we're disagreeing completely on this one. I agree with Herbie. I, I think college football, okay. I think college football is so boring right now. I mean, the, okay. like, yes, I give credit to Clemson and Alabama and, and even Ohio state for the work that they've done, but like they have a monopoly on this college football playoff. And, and even the BCS was kind of more exciting because like the top two teams would rotate a little more than these top four. Like there's no way every year that like Bama and Clemson and Ohio State, like, don't make the top four. And it's, like, I'll always love Hawkeye football, so I'll care about that. But I can barely care about the sport of college football anymore. And, and like, yes, there, I think there's an argument of beating them. But when it's only four and they have such a stranglehold on it, like, guys do want to play in the college football playoff. And if you even just put it to eight or something like that, then you're at least in the playoff where, like, as a player, like – why, why wouldn't you go to Alabama, Clemson, or whatever? And, and yes, Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State still might win an eight-team or a 16-team playoff year in and year out, but at least you give more teams a chance, and, it, and I think it will make players go to more teams. And I also just think four teams is boring. Like, I, I disagree with you completely just because I think most of these bowls are dumbass bowls that are just – they're just money grabs for other people. They're the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl now. Like, it's just – the only reason they're hanging on is because there's so many – advertisement things that have a stranglehold on on the bowl system that like we play all these bowls that don't mean anything that are just about how many advertisements can we throw out there and when the fcs has a 16 team playoff like how can't be fbs like college football i think has always had the worst championship format and while the 14 playoff is i think moving in the right direction i think there's more to be done and and like i said i almost liked the bcs more because there was a little more rotation like if Alabama drops a game then maybe they'd be third and they wouldn't make the the BCS where now like they're always going to make the top four and it's just it's becoming like international soccer where it's just like either either you're there at the top or you're not and and breaking through is far easier said than done okay but so I agree I here's where I'll agree with you I think I could I could get behind it changing to eight teams if it was just like a little bit of a change like to eight then i think i could get behind it my thing is i i okay so let's say you change it to 16 teams would you say then that those bowl games go away and then only those 16 teams get playoff football or would you say that those bowl games trickle down to lower teams no i mean i think you can still have bowl games and i think you can even have the bowl game like if these people are that committed to the bowl games I, and, and I'm not even saying I need 16. I, I agree. Eight, eight might be enough. And I think eight, I is, think so, I think yeah. eight is probably enough to at least it's going to be more exciting. It's it's going to be more like there's just going to it's going to help teams. Like there's also a revenue about making the college football playoff where then those other teams get that sort of revenue where they can they can compete with Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson and Notre Dame more. 
Um, so yeah, I don't know if I need 16 and I think you can still keep the bowls for some teams, but I think you also just implement the bowls into an eight team playoff or a 16 team playoff. Maybe if you had 16, the first game would be, you know, home for the, uh, higher seed. But then once you get to eight, like, yeah, just have those games be those bowl games. Right. Okay. I, I do. Okay. So what I'll say is I, I changed my mind in that, like, I could see eight teams. I do like that because if you think about the top eight teams right now, let's say Florida beats Alabama, they have a shot at the playoffs. They have something to play for where now they're out already. And like Florida is a great team, you know, and you have Texas A&M in it and you have Iowa State in it. So like you have, it would be like an interesting thing. I guess where I still have a little hesitance is just, I think it comes from my pessimism that having those teams in the playoff format would change the dominance that Alabama and Clemson, Ohio state have, because in my head, I'm like, let's say Alabama has to play the last seed, which we'll say is Florida. So let's say they play, they beat Florida. You know what I mean? They beat Florida and then Florida's out anyway. And I don't know how much that change is for Alabama's dominance. You know, let's say Clemson has to play Texas. They beat Texas A&M. Like maybe there's an upset here and there, but I think, this pervasive problem in college football of these teams dominating has been going on for so long that in my head, I'm like, I don't know how we fix. I don't know how we fix this. I will. I think you have to like you. I agree with you. I don't think it would be an an immediate switch, but like, like I said, like the, when the BCS was in, in play and that was when Alabama started their big, their big run, they still weren't in the BCS every single year because there was a little more, a le- like leverage or just just more at play with only two teams being picked where like it, it will provide more upset like there's going to be some upsets and I think like I said I think long term it like right now if you're a recruit and you're getting recruited by everybody like at the end of the day you you want to win a national championship and the only way you're going to win a national championship is if you're in the college football playoff and when the same three or four teams are making the college football playoff every year you're just going to go to one of those where when you open the door to more teams, to, to a team like Iowa state, to a team like Cincinnati to, to at least make it. I think more players will be like, Oh yeah. Like I, I'll go there and, and I'll, I'll be open to, to building something there or what have you. So I think it just like, it, it's not going to be a quick fix, but I, I think it will help the, the monopoly that, that those teams have on it. And I just think it sounds more fun. Like I like, it I think the, sound bulls, more the bulls are so archaic because like the bulls go back to a time when the AP would just pick a national champion and like the big 10 champion would go to Rose bowl, Pac-12 championship would go to, to the Rose bowl. Like they were all conference specific. And then arbitrarily people would be like, and that's the team that wins the, the national championship. It like, it's, it's such, it's such an old school way of, of like trying to like determine the best team and, and everything. Yeah. Okay. I, you know what, as much as we talked earlier about, you won't change anyone's mind, Matthew, you, you've changed my mind a little bit. I, I will say, well, I will we're say not on social media, if we were on social media, then no mind. I'd be like, ah, oh, you're wrong. Yeah. yeah, no, no, but I do agree. I, I think an eight team system with maybe the bowl games trickling down to more teams down the line, or a 16 team system where the bowl games kind of replace one level of it. I think that's I think that's good. And I think I mean, you're right. There's some revenue kings that would lose some money, so that would obviously be hard to go around. But I I agree. I think that uh yeah. 
I, I think that it would, it would definitely be more fun for the fans. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think the biggest hurdle is probably not anybody that actually has to do with college football. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, and that goes to the conversation of like, this is not like college sports. This is like a money making king and you guys should yep. pay players. Yeah, but we won't get into that. Otherwise, it's going to be uh, forever and ever. I'll add in something We're in too good uh, of a mood to, to go down that, that I that, found uh, out avenue. today that I thought. Yeah, yikes, yikes. Um, no, but I'll add in something kind of that I I just want to like say it. Jeremy Lin is coming back to the NBA. We love to see it. Jeremy Lin is coming back to the NBA and he's going to play with the Warriors. Let's go. Jeremy Lin sanity is back, baby. <laughs> Lin sanity was one of the most exciting times in NBA. Because oh, we're all oh just like, what the hell is going on? Like. This dude from Harvard is absolutely tearing it up. It was so much fun to watch. Like two, like, and it was like lasted, I mean, two weeks of him being like a pretty great scorer. And then, and then he came back down to, to earth. At, but hey, for those couple weeks, Jeremy Lin ruled the NBA. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I hope he does it again. Him and Steph, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> They're the new Splash Bros. Yes, I love it. I love it. All right, Jan, let's make our way to college football. It's aperitif time. It's a big, big weekend in conference championship games. I will uh, I'll begin, unfortunately, with a game that isn't going to be happening. The, the Sun Belt Conference, what was going to be a, a pretty high-profile game, the first ranked matchup in Sun Belt championship history will unfortunately not be played due to positive COVID tests, I believe, with Coastal Carolina. Um, so Louisiana Lafayette. And Coastal Carolina have been crowned co-champions. And uh, I, I bring this game up kind of because I think that's stupid as hell that they're co-champions. Louisiana has a conference loss. Coastal Carolina does not. Furthermore, Louisiana's conference loss is to Coastal Carolina. How are they co-champs? Coastal was the better team throughout the season. They were the better team head-to-head. I, I get it's tough, the game not being played, and, and you want to be like fair, like – I sympathize with Louisiana not getting their chance to play, but Coastal Carolina is the champion then. Right. I I agree. I I think I, yeah, like Coastal Carolina just got like, they just got a rough hand of the draw throughout the end of the season here. And so uh, I, I feel bad for them. And I agree if they had not played each other, and it was like, yeah, you know, they had a loss, but maybe they could have beaten them, but they you did lose to them already. So yeah. I, that's that's head to head. Yeah, and then if Louisiana is like, but we didn't lose to them twice, it's like, okay. <laughs> okay. If that if that is your argument for being co conference champions, I think you've lost the argument. Yeah, I. Oh, poor poor Coastal Carolina and your lovely mullets. Uh, but I will I will move us on here. Oh, your lovely, lovely mullets. No, but they I'll move us on. Nice. They're beautiful. Uh, I'll move us on to the AAC championship. Uh, kind of, if this had been canceled and they had been called co-champions, this would have also been a funny one because it's uh, Cincinnati versus Tulsa. Uh, Cincinnati sitting at number nine right now. Tulsa sitting at number 23. Uh, since he's 9-0, you know, they, they're feeling a little hard done also by the by the rankings um and you know i i think they got a point a little bit and uh but you know it's again with the top four we just talked about that's sometimes what happens it's like it's really hard to to push those teams in um 
But yeah, I mean, in this game, there's not a lot of offensive power to talk about in terms of like singular stars. You know, for Cincy, you've got quarterback Desmond Ritter, who has like 16 touchdowns. Uh, and and they've got Garrett Dokes, who has seven touchdowns as the lead running back. Um, but really, like the tail of the tape is is as in points per game and points allowed per game, right? Tulsa scores 27 points per game. Cincy scores 40, right? They're just a better team in that way. Tulsa scores, uh, lets in 19 points per game. Since he only lets in 15, their defense is better. Their offense is better. Both have played one team in their season that is the same. They both played SMU. Tulsa beat SMU by four points. Since he blew them out 42 to 13. That's the story of the tape right there. Since he's favored by 14 and a half, and they're going to cover that spread. Next, please. Yeah, I agree. Got, got to go with the Bearcats. Like you said, it's not like... Cincinnati's offense isn't like, I mean, 40 points a game, pretty good, but it doesn't look like the most explosive offense, but it's just, they just have such a balanced offense over 200 rushing yards a game, over 200 passing yards a game. And that defense has been terrific all year. And like you said, I I think they feel disrespected and I think they have every right to feel disrespected. So I think they come in, I think they dominate Tulsa and I think they get ready for a new year's six bowl where they're going to want to make a statement. And I think they, I think they have a great chance to like, I think since he like, do I think Cincy should make the college football playoff? No. Do I think Cincinnati's a legitimate top 10 team? Absolutely. 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 Totally agree. Bearcats deserve every praise. Agreed. All right. Let's make our way on to some of the bigger, the Power Five conferences. I'll start with the Pac-12. Uh, Oregon taking on 13th ranked USC in a game that's actually happening this evening. Uh, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern kickoff. I kind of mentioned I thought Oregon might expose USC, but the the Ducks are on a bit of a slide themselves. They've lost their last two games, close losses to Oregon State and Cal. Meanwhile, Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott believes USC isn't getting enough love in the college football playoff rankings with their 5-0 record only being 13th. But perhaps – I mean, I I know Randy Scott has to – or pardon me, um, uh, Larry Scott. Randy Scott's the ESPN guy. I know Larry Scott has to, you know, beat the drum of – of his conference as the commissioner, but maybe he hasn't watched the Trojan much because like they have not looked all that convincing. I've talked about, you know, three of their games being one possession games against teams that they should probably roll over. Uh, And the Pac-12 has just kind of been rather mediocre in the last few years. And uh, so I think the ranking is just fine. I am going to go with the Trojans in this game because I am a, a huge believer in Keaton Slovis. And I think, Oregon is struggling themselves where the arm of Slovis will be enough to get USC the win. But I already mentioned Cincinnati. Give me a, give me an undefeated USC undefeated Cincinnati in a bowl game. I think Cincinnati rolls over USC. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I USC has barely beaten teams in their conference and their conference isn't that great anyway. And there, there you go. They should have lost two of those games. They absolutely should have lost two of those games. They did lose one of those games and they just happened to get handed the game at the end. So I, I, they, it was like the Raiders and the Jets. They did lose that game. They just, the other team was just like, here you go. Like it, it, they needed needed a touchdown with 25 seconds to go to beat Arizona. The team that just lost 70 to seven to Arizona state. Like, Like, come on. Yeah, I agree. And so, um, yeah, I think the, the ranking is fair. And and you're right. When there's teams like Cincinnati who also didn't get in, it's like USC, can you just – I get it, but, like, calm down. Everybody calm down. I get it. You're the Trojans. I get it. But, like, calm down. You have a good quarterback. 
Reggie, Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart haven't been there for a while, guys. Let's stop pretending like this is the UFC of the Pete Carroll days. Right, exactly. You haven't been relevant in about tw- 10 years, so let's all calm down. Um, no, but uh, it's going to be an ex- interesting game for sure, and I wouldn't be I mean, I mean, wouldn't be surprised if USC coughs it up. I, I, do, I do believe in Slovis too, but that, the rest of that team is so all over the place. They got some things they got to figure out for next season for sure when they don't have Slovis anymore. <laughs> Oh boy! Um, no, he's but a beast. I think he he might be he might be a sophomore. He might become. Oh, he's even come back. Oh, okay. Well, which is insane. They get him one more year, I suppose. Then, yeah. Um, but I'll take us over to the Big Twelve. It's not the Big Twelve matchup we were expecting, um, but it's the Big Twelve matchup we needed. I mean, it's going to be a good one. It's Iowa State versus Oklahoma. It's the six versus the ten, both with only two losses. Uh, lots of different storylines in this one. You've got the quarterback battle, Spencer Rattler, 24 touchdowns, seven interceptions, also has four rushing touchdowns. And then Brock Purdy for the Cyclones, 17 touchdowns and four rushing touchdowns with over 300 yards on the ground himself. You know, they played each other already this season and Oklahoma lost to Iowa State in Ames, which was uh, Iowa State's first win over the Sooners since 1960 in Ames. Uh, and so that was a really good game, though. You know, it was a 37-30 battle. Brees Hall was the difference in this, that one, as he had 139 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. And you know what? I think Brees Hall is probably going to be the difference in this one, too. He's got 1357 yards on the season. He's got 17 rushing touchdowns. There's only one player with more rushing touchdowns than that in, like, a big conference team, and we'll talk about him later. Uh, Oklahoma, to their credit, has a great rush defense. They've only allowed 88 yards per game on the ground. So the really question is... They didn't hold Brees Hall out in the in the game, and that really killed them. Can they hold him, you know, to a modest game? You know, it's kind of like when Melvin Gordon was was there in Wisconsin. It's like, can you hold him to like a modest game and make the game, you know, make Brock Purdy have to win the game rather than Brees Hall kind of dictate the play? Um, Oklahoma is favored by six points, which is ridiculously unfair to the Cyclones. I mean, I get it, but like. I don't know. I and, and 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 like I just said all of that. I am picking Oklahoma just because like Yeah, that is a surprise. I thought you were going with the clones for sure. No, and I, and I and I here's the thing. Here's what I this is what I'm thinking, right? Like Oklahoma Spencer Rattler, that game was not a pretty one for him. And we've seen what a competitor Spencer Rattler is. He threw the interception that kind of lost that game for them. So in my head I'm like, okay, it's going to be a close game because even when Brees Hall did well, it was a close game. So I think they've seen Brees Hall before. They'll do a little bit better against him. And then I think Spencer Rattler comes out in this one being like, you know, we didn't get the top four finish we might have wanted. You know, let's go out there, win the Big 12. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a revenge game for them. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm picking OU. I just I just think it's it should be even money. Like it should not be a six-point thing for... It just makes crazy to me because, you know, I'm picking kind of an upset just because I believe so much in Spencer Rattler. Uh, but, yeah, I just don't think it's a lot of love to the clones. I think the clones should be favored by three, honestly, and, and when it's all said and done. But, uh, I mean, Brees Hall, Brock Purdy, Spencer Rattler, great players. It's going to be a fun game to watch in the Big 12 championship. Yeah, I mean, I got to give congrats to the clones. I know when Iowa was high in the college football rankings and, and made the Big Ten championship, it really was an amazing feeling it's one of those things as a fan um that you're you're like i i don't think this is ever going to happen but I, i'm definitely going with the sooners it was like you said it was a close game last time in Ames, 37 to 30 at home and this sooners team looks 
completely different. Like that, that was the third game of their season. They had just lost to K State as well. Rattler was, was still kind of figuring out the offense as a freshman quarterback that had to go through an offseason that was, you know, marred with a pandemic. I think he started the season a little slow. He's not slow now. That that offense looks like the typical Oklahoma offense that we've seen with Lincoln Riley. Uh, I, I don't think Matt Campbell is going to let his team have a letdown of just like being happy to be there. But this is still business as usual for the Sooners, as opposed to being a massive accomplishment for Iowa State. Like Iowa State fans and and such celebrated getting first in the conference like they'd won the national championship. And I'm not knocking them for that because, like I said, like I get it. You, you should. This this is huge. Oklahoma year in, year out is like, we should be in this game and we should win this game. So I think Rattler, his improvement with that offense is going to be a big difference. And Brees Hall, he's going to get 100 yards because he's the best running back in college football this year. He, I think he should be the Doak Walker winner. Um, but uh, I agree with you where you, you probably don't stop Brees Hall, but you you, st- you have to make Purdy win the game. And and I think he, he may make some mistakes in this one. Uh, if I'm Iowa State, like I, I try and, and milk Brees Hall as much as possible and keep this low scoring because if you get into a shootout with OU, I don't think it's going to be a good game for, for the Cyclones. But I am going with the Sooners. Uh, and uh, now we'll make our way over to the Big Ten, probably the most straightforward conference championship game of the weekend. Yes. Northwestern, like, you know, I – I will give them credit. They've had, they've had a, a very strong defense all year, but they haven't played anyone near as talented as Justin Fields. Ohio State's favored by 20. And personally, I, I don't think that's an absurd line. I, I think that sounds about right in this one. The Ohio State defense, not quite as formidable as other years. I mean, that's what happens when you lose two guys that go in the top three and, and Jeff Akuda and Chase Young. But this Northwestern team has relied on a, a strong defense. And, and an offense that makes plays here and there, Ohio State's just going to be able to score too many points, and I think the Buckeyes blow by them. I, I, I see this one over at halftime. Right, exactly. I, Ohio State, another team that expects to be here, expects to win, and their season, unlike Oklahoma where they started late, they just like have had really bad luck around the season. So they also want to go into the top four being like, hey, remember all you, you – you know, pardon my language. Remember all you fucks are saying like Texas A&M deserves to be deserves to be above us. I love like, that. <laughs> remember all you fucks. <laughs> right. Because you know that they're thinking that they're like, oh, you guys want to say that we're sure. not don't deserve to be here. So we're going to blow out Northwestern and then you guys can shut up. And that's like, I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, most straightforward. And Ohio State knows as good as anyone how much style points come into play i mean the first college football playoff part of the reason they got that four seed was because they shellacked wisconsin 59 to 0 in the big 10 championship game and they jumped baylor and tcu like ohio state knows the the what i don't even know the word i'm looking for the just just how much style points and winning big can come into play and and help you you know in the college football playoff especially this year when when they've said the eye test is kind of the biggest thing we're going by right exactly it's been said and they'll do it and that's just going to be that uh let's go to the sec championship matt this was supposed to be such a good game 
This was supposed to be so important. Damn you, Gators. Damn you. Truly. Oh my goodness. This was supposed to be the game of the year right here. It was it was the Heisman candidate quarterback against the best team. And, and it still is a good game. But uh, uh, just that LSU it's loss. It's not what it was going to be. You're, you're 100% it's right. Not, uh, just I would have been watering at the mouth for this game. But if, instead, I'm just talking about it. Uh, in the end, it's the number one versus number seven. The real story here is, you know, Alabama's favored by 17 and rightfully so. They're the best team in college football. Will they go undefeated this season? That's the biggest question. You know, how does Florida approach this game? You know, they had a really big letdown. Uh, and, you know, we talked about it like it's not that player's fault for the shoe thing, but it is like an embarrassing way to to like end a game. So like how do they kind of come back from that whole kind of embarrassment you know can Kyle Trask maybe get his Heisman candidacy like you know uh, leave a little extra star on there for the end of the season well you know we'll see um there's a little bit of a quarterback tool here Mac Jones has done really well too he's only thrown three picks he's got 27 touchdowns on the year and the only reason that doesn't look more impressive is because he's going against Kyle Trask's 40 touchdowns and five picks uh so I mean Kyle Trask's been phenomenal we know it but like Let's talk about Florida. They got Kyle Trask. They got, you know, Kyle Pitts, obviously a great tight end, uh, 11 touchdowns on the season, uh, and, and they got Maury and stuff. But you look at Bama. They have Najee Harris, who has 22 touchdowns on the season. He's not the best running back, I agree. I think Brees, per- uh, Brees Hall definitely is, but he's the second best. That's that. He's so, certainly not bad. <laughs> he's certainly not bad. And even, And even if you... We're like, okay, we can stop Najee Harris and we can kind of make Mac Jones, you know, kind of uncomfortable. You still have to cover Devonta Smith, the best receiver in college football. You have to cover him. He's got over 1,300 yards in the season, 15 touchdowns. He's the best receiver in the college game right now. That's just it. So they got the best receiver, the second best running back, and a damn good quarterback. What are you going to do against that? Especially for a, Especially for a Florida defense that is like, okay. They're just okay. They're not a defense that is that is like, oh, how are we going to get past the Gators? You're thinking, oh, how do we keep up with Kyle Trask? But for Alabama, that's an easy answer. You keep up with Kyle Trask by scoring touchdowns with Devonta Smith and Najee Harris and, and Mac. That's it. So um, it's going to be a shootout, I think, you know, and I think Kyle Trask maybe gets four or five touchdowns in this one. Um, but even with that, I think Alabama wins by two scores and, uh, you know, I he, I think Kyle Trask covers the spread in a good last regular season game for him. Uh, and, and maybe that helps his Heisman kind of call. But uh, yeah, just Alabama's too good of a team across the board. And we haven't, we, I didn't even talk about their defense where they only let in 16 points a game. And, you know, there's just too much going against the Gators here, especially after a disappointing loss to LSU. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. If Florida had won last week, I might be inclined to pick an upset, but the upset's not happening. I, you make a good point about the the, the Bama defense because they started the year not looking like a normal Bama defense at all. They, they gave up quite a quite a good amount of points, and, and their offense is just so powerful that they've been able to outscore people. Over the last five games, giving up 7.2 points per game, it's looking more like like that Bama team. They haven't quite played an offense quite as good as Florida's. So that's you know my kind of question for this game is, what does Bama's defense look like against another explosive offense because besides Notre Dame like Clemson Ohio State they have explosive offenses where I'm not sure Bama really wants to get into just a straight shootout with those teams uh I I think they want their defense to be a little more reminiscent of old Crimson Tide defenses uh and as for Kyle Trask 
I, I think I don't think he has to win the game, but they got to be in this game the entire way, and it could be his Heisman moment. But even if the Gators can keep it closed for a half or three quarters, you mentioned just the multitude of weapons that Bama has, and I think eventually those weapons are, are going to help them pull away. And we mentioned Kyle Trask as, as you know his Heisman moment. I think right now, I think Devontae Smith is my Heisman favorite. And, and the thing that is going to be the question about Devontae Smith and Mac Jones and even Najee Harris are, are they going to split votes and, and kind of hurt them that way? But I think Devontae Smith, in a year that's felt underwhelming Heisman-wise, um, I, I think he's had a, a pretty tremendous year, not only impacting the game as a receiver, but also as a returner. Like the guy gets a touchdown just when he touches the ball. So uh, a big moment for for guys on on both these teams to make a Heisman statement. Like I, I think we're going to see the Heisman winner in this game. It's who puts on the biggest show, but but I do think Bama is going to win this this one for sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I would love to see a receiver grab the Heisman. It's been quarterbacks been dominating too long. I'd love to see it. I'd only see only it. three receivers have ever won the Heisman: Desmond Howard, right. Tim, Tim Brown, Johnny Rogers. Like it's not it's not which like because you talk about like oh quarterbacks dominate the Heisman. Like quarterbacks and running backs have always dominated the Heisman. Like the receivers never get that much credit so it'd be it would be cool to and then this year of just like weirdness it it almost makes sense you know right exactly it's like yeah well he's the best player and you know what we talked about Najee Harris earlier like and Mac Jones their Heisman candidacies earlier this year where it's like can they be Heisman candidates if they're not even the best players on their team and vice versa but I think Devonta Smith, especially in the last couple of games, has kind of separated himself as the best player on Completely that team. Completely agree. Completely agree. So it's like, can you say that? I mean, Najee Harris is great, but he's not even the best running back in the league. And Mac Jones is great, but he's absolutely not the best quarterback in the league. Devonta Smith, the best receiver in the league. And it's not close. Yeah. I didn't know this either. Devonta Smith was the, was the leading receiver for Alabama last year with Jerry, <laughs> with Jerry Judy and and Jalen a uh, healthy Jalen Waddle and Henry Ruggs like I've said it before that's the greatest receiving core in college football history but that's that's ridiculous like that's how good this guy has been for Bama over the last couple of years it's it's wild and and I think I I, I never cheer for Bama but I I'm gonna cheer for him to have a big game and uh, and get that the Heisman love he deserves all right one more one more conference championship Jan it's the ACC. It's the big one, number two Notre Dame against number three Clemson. How many times in a rematch of two top three teams is the previous loser a 10-point favorite? Like this has to be the first time in history, but that's the yeah. kind of difference that Trevor Lawrence makes. Like that we know how good he is. And, it, and I don't I don't think the 10-point spread is all that unfavorable. Uh Notre Dame's got a good team. I love their defense, but they needed two overtimes and home field advantage to beat the Trevor Lawrence-less Clemson team last time. Uh, Dabo Sweeney annoys the hell out of me, but one of the things I do like about him is how much he likes beating the so-called blue bloods of college football as he kind of creates his, his own dynasty over there in South Carolina. So I think Clemson looks to make a statement, get some revenge. I, I think they want to make sure they get that, that number two seed, um, even over a, an undefeated Ohio state. And, and I got Clemson winning by 17. I think Trevor, we're going to be reminded just how damn good Trevor Lawrence is this weekend. Right. I think it's similar to Justin Fields, right? I think there are questions about Clemson and Trevor Lawrence is going to be like, remember when Clemson almost beat Notre Dame without me? <laughs> that's that. <laughs> like, that's that. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
I mean, there's a reason that that New York Jets fans are happy. And it's not because Trevor Lawrence is the number one pick. It's because Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback to come out of college football in a really long time. And so I, yeah, I think you're right. I agree, you know, and, and they're 10 point favorites, rightfully so, you know, no respect, disrespect in our Dame. It's just, you don't have Trevor Lawrence and that's just that. Yeah. I mean, the guy, the guy as a freshman tore up the Bama defense and won the national championship last year. Had them in a, had them in the national championship game for the most part against what's arguably the greatest team of all time in LSU last year. Like they, what he and Clemson have done over the last few years, I, we we have short memories for some reason and forget just how damn good they've been. Right, exactly. All right, that's all the uh, the conference championship games from this week. Should be a fun fun slate of games, and like we said, then then Sunday we'll know. We'll know what the college football playoff is going to be. It seems kind of clear. Maybe uh, some rankings will change, though. And uh, we'll also get the other bowl games. A lot of, you know, team like Iowa State, team like Cincinnati, team like Coastal Carolina. There's there's going to be some teams that we don't normally see in the New Year's Six that has me very excited. You know, that's that's the kind of – that's the kind of – maybe not parody is the right word, but but – representation we want to see in college football so it's going to be it's going to be a fun bowl season this year i know and i'm going to be home and watch all of it i'm so excited we love it all right jan we make our way from college football to college basketball a slate of pretty darn good games in college basketball as well not to be too outdone by their their counterpoints counterparts on the gridiron Let's start with Louisville versus Wisconsin, one of the uh, ACC Big Ten challenging game, challenge games that had to be rescheduled. So I, it was funny. I was I was watching Texas Tech KU last night, and Jay Billis was like, "Wait, so does this game go into next year's ACC Big Ten challenge? Does it count for this? <laughs> like, whoever wins, do they get to come in with an, a one zero record or something?" Um, but I'm looking forward to this one because honestly, I I can't tell you what I think about either of these teams. Wisconsin ended last year on, on a great run. And they're always consistent. Like we we know the Badgers are going to be a tough out, no matter who's on the team. But I don't think they're the top ten team that a lot of people expected from them. Like I think I think they are limited in in how good they are. And Louisville's undefeated. Could be another ACC team vying for that title. I'm going to go with the Badgers in a close one because of their difficult tempo to play at, especially at Cole Center. But but this is going to be a fun one. It's going to tell us a lot about both these teams. Who do you pick between the Cardinals and the Badgers? Right. I mean, it's an interesting game also because of the seasons that they've had so far. Louisville has been perfect, fine, but they haven't been tested yet. The only team that they've played of any note is Seton Hall, and Seton Hall is 1-3 right now, so that doesn't even count. And they're led by senior Carlick Jones, who's done great. You know, he's got 17.2 points per game, 60% from three, so they've got a good score. Wisconsin's kind of the opposite, right? They've lost a game, but they've been tested in that game, and they only lost to Marquette by two points, Marquette team that just beat Creighton. So, like, we know that that game being close with Marquette shows that they are a team, you know, to be reckoned with. But look at their top scorers, Micah Potter, who's, you know, got 12 points a game. Like, they're, they're you know, it's kind of like if they don't keep – if they are in a close game, do they have the closer? That is my question for Wisconsin, you know. They they have a great team, and that's great. And you're right. The tempo at which that team plays together is going to be really hard. But Louisville has a closer, and Wisconsin doesn't. So, it, that's a kind of – each has a little bit of a different thing. I think Wisconsin is a better team than Louisville, but Louisville has the better player. So it's just, it's going to be a toss up. And, you know, just to be fun, I'm going to go with Louisville. You know, I, I love what Carlick Jones is doing right now. And I think that, I think that Wisconsin lacking that really playmaker, like even a little bit, 
even a little bit, you know, just lacking that playmaker is going to hurt them in a close game. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's 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 why I'm not a believer in them because like they aren't and and like we said, like the Wisconsin's always going to be strong, but we've only seen one, two. I mean, kind of the same team, but one one time where Wisconsin was really great with their style, and it was because they had Sam Decker and Frank Kaminsky, who were just two of the best players in college basketball. Like, and and normally they have at least one guy that can get a bucket. I agree with you. I don't I don't know who that is on this team. Like. Right. It doesn't seem like it's Potter. Uh, D- Davison does a lot of good stuff, but he, he's more of like a glue guy. Trice is a great point guard, but but he's not really someone that's going to, you know, get a bucket a lot of times. It, Reavers, I think, is extremely overrated down low. So I, I think this I think this is a, just going to be a fun game and, and tell us tell us a lot about them both. I, I like the Louisville pick. Uh, we'll stay in a, a Big Ten matchup. UCLA versus Ohio State. Jan, why don't you tell me what you're seeing from this game? I'll let you go first on this. Right. I mean, you know, it's an interesting game, right? You know, Ohio State obviously ranked, and so you expect them to win. But Ohio State's kind of been uh, up and down a little bit. They just lost to Purdue. You know, and like we've talked about, the Big Ten's great. So, like, I don't knock them for losing a Purdue team that, like, did really well. And, and Travion Smith was amazing in that game. So I was amazing to watch and I was so happy. Uh, but, uh, you know, UCLA is not like an unranked team to be to to like scoff at. They beat Marquette. And I know and I don't mean to make Marquette my measuring stick for everything. But- Marquette <laughs> is the best team in the nation as far as Yannick is concerned. I'm just like, how do they play against Marquette? Like, that's what I want to know. How did they play against Marquette? Um, the Gonzaga-Iowa no, game is meaningless. Neither team's played Marquette. We, we're not even sure they're true They're true contenders yet. They haven't been tested yet. No, um, no. but U- UCLA beat Marquette. And if you look at their last four games, they haven't allowed more than 60 points in, in those last four games. So their defense is also playing really well. For Ohio State, they got their main man, uh, Dwayne Washington Jr., and he's, he's doing really well at the free throw line. I think he's got like a 95 or 94% free throw percentage, which is good for him. And he's their top scorer. But like, he's shooting a lot. And he, Matthew, is missing a lot as well. I think he's got like a 36% from the field. I mean, that's ridiculously bad. Come on. As your top scorer, that's not what you want. And so that tells me, as UCLA, as a good defense, if you can just kind of not lock up Dwayne Washington and make him take hard shots, that team's not going to beat you. And especially, you know, and I, and I don't know, I, I'm kind of going with the upset here. I like UCLA's defense right now. I don't think Ohio State's been as effective as they can be. And just as a little bit of Latin pride, Jaime Jaquez Jr. for UCLA, their top scorer. Love that dude. I think he's a monster and he's doing really well. Uh, so, yeah, I'm picking UCLA in this one just because their defense for me is more impressive than OSU's offense. Yeah, I'm 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 agreeing with you on this one. I've been I've been tough on the Bruins, uh, kind of just because of their start. They lost to San Diego State to begin with, which that loss is looking better and better. I mean, the Aztecs have been rolling, and, and it looks like they have another good team out there in the Mountain West. And then the Pepperdine, they beat Pepperdine by nine in triple overtime in their second game. But you nailed it. They're 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 starting to play Mick Cronin uh, basketball, which means tough defense and, and just giving a bunch of effort. Uh, so I really like the directions UCLA is going. The Big Ten, you're right. The Big Ten's tough, but I, I'm just not sure it's as deep as we've seen it before. And and I don't think – I think the Buckeyes were ranked because they're Ohio State and they had a couple nice pieces. But I don't think Purdue is as, as tough anymore. Like Purdue had some had that bad, bad loss to Miami. 
So, and Ohio State's really only decent win was against a pretty average Notre Dame team. I completely agree. I think the Bruins keep rolling. I think they keep on playing that that Cronin style of just tough defense, just making life difficult on you. And I think they they look to maybe get back the the Pac-12 crown. That the Pac-12 seems wide open to me. Arizona State starting decent, but not maybe quite as much as well as as other people. And and I think the Bruins can be right in the thick of things in the Pac-12. And and I agree. I think they're going to get the win this weekend over the Buckeyes. Now we'll head over to the Big 12, Jan. It's Okie State against Texas. Texas should win this game. I'm picking Texas to win the game. Their offense needs help, but they're at home. They really are playing strong defense. One of, I believe, five Big 12 teams in the top 10 of Kimpom defensive efficiency, which is is just tremendous. Um, But this game is worth watching because if Okie State does get it done, it's going to be because of the star freshman, Cade Cunningham. Uh, sadly, the Cowboys won't be going to any postseason play this year because they are on a one-year ban. But Cunningham is easily the best freshman and NBA prospect in college basketball. The guy should be the top pick come come next draft. Uh, and when you watch him, you'll, you'll see why he really can do it all. He, he's got good size. He's got athleticism. He, he's got a nice shot. He, he's just he's what you want from a top pick. Um, so I think Texas wins. But watch this game just just to see how good this freshman is. Right. I, I mean, here's my thing. De- Texas has been playing well. They have okay, some okay scalps. You know, they beat an Indiana team that has been disappointing, and they beat a UNC team that's been even more disappointing. So, you know, it, it, it remains to be seen if they've been really tested. The one thing that you can say is, remember, they were supposed to play Baylor, right? They were supposed to play Baylor. That game got postponed. So for me, this game actually represents a lot because you want to compete against, you know, with Baylor for the t- – t- Big 12 championship. You have to beat this Okie State side in order for me to believe that you can. This game now happens before Baylor. So if you want to have the thing of we haven't played Baylor yet, well, you have to beat this team for me to consider you as a serious contender. Like, that's what it is. Like, I get that Cade Cunningham is great. He's amazing. But he's one player. And if you can't beat one player and not, he's not the most dominant player in college basketball. We both know that. So, like, it's not like... It's not like, you know, that's going to be something you got to say. Uh, and Texas defense is great. They can hold Cade Cunningham. They only allow 60 points a game. Uh, so they have all it takes defensively. And offensively, Courtney Ramey and Matt Coleman III are doing great. You know, they've got like 14, 13 points per game between them. You know, they just need to lead their team to this win. It's a test for Texas, kind of their first uh, big Big 12 test, you know, you know, before playing Baylor whenever that game happens. So it's going to be important for them. And I'll leave this on the table, Matthew. Okie State beat Marquette earlier this year. <laughs> Dude, who knew that Yannick was such a fan of Al McGuire and the Golden Eagles? Woo! But uh, yeah, I, it's it's true. But yeah, I think I think Texas wins. It is it's their first Big Ten twelve game. But you know, I don't I don't think UNC has been all that bad. And they Indiana's kind of where we thought they'd be, and they shellacked Indiana uh and I thought they looked pretty good against Villanova like 68-64 they were at home uh but I think Villanova was the better team that that game proved a lot to me uh Texas wise and and any team that has defense like that it's it's a good thing to to hang your hat on uh but they do need to get their their offense figured out it's a lot of it's it's kind of similar to to Illinois where uh, a lot of one guy trying to do too much but uh yeah should be a fun one We'll go now to the Big Ten, the big matchup in the Big Ten this weekend. That Who would have thought Rutgers would be in, in a massive Big Ten game? But here they are, 13th-ranked Illinois going to the 19th-ranked Rutgers. Jan, I'll let you go first on this one. What are you seeing 
from the Illini against the Scarlet Knights. I mean, we've talked about it. Illinois has been disappointing this year. You know, they got uh, they got Kofi and they got Ayodesumu obviously doing really well always. But that's really it. Their, their guys around them have not contributed. They kind of remind me of Iowa, but Iowa's actually been performing outside of their big guys. So, like, I you know, it's kind of like the story of two different ways a season can go. Uh, obviously, the big story in this game between the two is some top scores. You got Ayodesumu with 22.7 points per game, and you got Ron Hopper Jr. with 23.2 points per game. So you got some real playmakers uh, coming across. I I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know who to pick here. Rutgers has looked good. Rutgers, Rutgers has looked good apart from Ron Hopper Jr. too. That's what that's what gives me pause. You know, I think Illinois, Ayodesumu has looked great. Kobe Gopper looked great. They both look great, but that's it. That's all that I trust from from the Fighting Illini. That's that's those are the two players I trust. So if you have Io scoring twenty three, and let's say you have Kofi scoring twenty five, maybe that's only fifty eight points. You don't win with fifty eight points. So like, where is the other scoring come from? So I, I I'm I I'm going to pick Illinois, but it's going to be really close, and I would not at all be surprised if Ron Harper Jr. continues his tear and and knocks off. Illinois. So I'm picking Illinois, but it's just, just barely. Yeah. You said it. Illinois has like, it feels almost unfair to say Illinois has, has looked disappointing, but they have like, they had a very, very close game against Ohio. Of course the Baylor game is not a bad loss, but the way they looked as opposed to Baylor, it it was clear. Baylor's an elite team. Illinois is not there yet. And, and Missouri I think is going to be a very good team, but like, if you're starting the season ranked in the top, I think they started the season ranked in, oh no, they were in the top 10. They weren't in the top five. But if you're starting the season ranked in the top 10, no matter how good Missouri may or may not be, you, you probably shouldn't be losing that game. So they have been a little disappointing. And I think uh, you you said the other thing, the two best scorers in the Big Ten, not named Luca Garza in, in Desunmu and Ron Harper. Uh, if Illinois throws it down low and they use Coburn effectively, they'll win this game. But I don't trust them to do that. They like right. they they've shown that they don't do that a lot of times. And Rutgers might be the best defensive team in the Big Ten, which I think in turn is gonna make Illinois shoot bad jump shots, which which they love to do. And instead of actually working for good looks, it's gonna be Desunmu and, and Frazier and those guys forcing bad looks because it's easier to shoot a bad look. And they just don't have the the, the work ethic on the offensive side of the ball that they need to get. Like shooting a three isn't bad, but there's a difference between a good three and a bad three. So I'm going with Rutgers. I'm going to go with the defense uh, of the Scarlet Knights, and, and they make an early mark on the Big Ten season. Love that. I love that pick, and I should have made it, but I I got nervous. So hey, it's we need we need the uh, the uh, the different picks, right? It's and more also, fun. It's more fun if we don't pick them- out the same game, you know. That's true. And neither of them played Marquette. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. Neither of them. <laughs> I didn't know. That was, that was well played. That was, and a good point, you know, the, who the hell are these teams? We don't know what they've done against Marquette. Ooh, I don't know. Oh well God. done, Yannick. That All was right. nice. Yeah. Okay. Now we're, now we're moving on to the big one. It's the number three Iowa Hawkeyes going up oh. against number one Gonzaga Bulldogs. Never have I ever ever, ever even imagine that I'd want to be in South Dakota in the middle of winter so damn badly, but I wish I was in Sioux Falls this weekend. So if there wasn't a pandemic going on, I can promise you 
I would be at this game. I I don't care I if I had to. I don't care if I have to break in. I don't care if I'd have to get like a janitorial job and just be technically working while I was there. I would be there. <laughs> uh, it's you know it's a battle of offensive juggernauts. I'll be shocked if both teams don't score over 90 in this one. And I think the question is, who's going to be able to make a few more stops than the other team? It's tough to choose Iowa in that situation ever. But I'm not really going to be picking Iowa's defense over the Zags defense as much as I'm going to pick Luca Garza being just so unstoppable. The Zags, I think, top to bottom, are a better team. But I don't think Gonzaga has anyone as good as Luca Garza. So... I'm going to listen to my heart. I'm going to be an idiot. And I'm going to pick a Hawkeye victory. Yeah, you are, baby. Yeah, you are. And, you know, here's the thing with this. That's not a bad pick. I know that it's a homer pick, but, like, only because we're Hawkeye fans, not because it's a bad pick. And I know that you said you're not going to pick Iowa's defense. But, like, you look at their defense – I was allowed, and granted, here's what I'm saying about this game. Iowa hasn't faced, I mean, they played UNC fine, but in terms of contender, Iowa hasn't faced a true contender yet. And Gonzaga hasn't faced a real scorer yet, right? So you kind of take those things and you say, how have the defenses done, right? If Iowa, the defense is doing bad against teams that aren't true contenders, there's some problems. Vice versa, if Gonzaga is letting in a bunch of points against not good scorers, then there's a problem. And you look at the points allowed per game, Iowa's got 68.5, Gonzaga lets in almost 80. So you got a defense that lets in almost 80 points against a player that's averaging 30 a game. And that's just that. I think that the defense for Gonzaga has looked disappointing against teams that they should be beating pretty easily, defensively and offensively fine. And, you know, make that make of that what you will. But, you know, it's going to be a points fence regardless. Like you have 100, over 100 points average per game by Iowa. You got 93 by Gonzaga. So it's going to be a big game. So how much defense is actually going to stop? But like between those two teams, there's like an 11 point gap. And that gap is important there. That means Iowa has been playing good offense and they've been keeping teams below 70. And so I, I agree with you. I just think Gonzaga hasn't shown any real defensive teeth against players that aren't Luca Garza. And now they have to all of a sudden get it together for Luca Garza. They're not going to. And even if they triple them, Wieskamp's been picking up his game. He's just going to have 30 points that game. That's just like what it's going to be. So I, I, I've never been more confident in the Hawks going into this game. I think if I hadn't had the weekend before, maybe I'd be a little worried. But they're winning in all the ways that Iowa needs to be winning. They're winning with Luca, getting the boards, getting the points, and with the players contributing both from the bench and from the floor. I'm just excited to be number one in the nation, baby. See, I think that I don't, I don't know if the points allowed is is a good measuring stick because Iowa's only played one legitimate team. And even to get like, I know Iowa State's a Big 12 team, but Iowa State is atrocious this year. And there were times where an atrocious Iowa State team was getting buckets on us easier. Gonzaga's had there are three games they played Kansas, West Virginia, Auburn, like all teams that Auburn included are kind of like normal NCAA tournament contender or not contenders, but participants like all three of those teams are tournament teams all the time. So I think it's a little unfair to compare the points allowed because like if Gonzaga had played Western Illinois and Southern and Northern Illinois, I think their points allowed would look a little more like ours. Um, because like when we did play UNC, it was 80. When we played Iowa state, it was 77, like against legitimate teams. We're giving up about the same thing they are, but, uh, and we certainly haven't played an offensive team as good as them, but they haven't either because there is like, I think, I think your point is still made. KU scored, I think 58 last night against Texas tech. Now Texas tech is a great defensive team in, in their own right, 
but KU put up 90 on Gonzaga. West Virginia put up 82. So like, I don't think the points allowed is, is a fair barometer, but I think it's, it's the point is still true of like, neither of these teams can really stop anybody. So which offense is going to be just a little more efficient. And I, I lean for the Hawks because of number 55. Right, exactly. I Like, what I'll say about the 80 points, you're right. Like, it's as a team, it's not bad to give up 80 points against those players. But considering that you now have to go into a game with Luka Garza, where is the team that has a player like Luka Garza that you've had any experience defending against? I don't think there is one that's even close. So I... I you know, I struggle to see how, and and it's not it's not their fault. You know, there's no player like Luca Garza this year. No. Like, there's no way for but you like to you, say. But that. you like you said, like Luca can do whatever he wants. But like you said about Illinois, if Coburn and, and Desumu get fifty points, that's still only fifty points. Like Garza's not going to be able to score a hundred. So right. I, I agree. Where because of Garza, I think our offense will be more efficient. Um, but like the other guys are going to have to show up. We know the other guys for Gonzaga will show up. It's it's gonna be a great game. I I like I said. I think both teams will score over ninety. I think there's a good chance that this is both over a hundred. Like th- this scoreline is gonna look like an NBA scoreline. And whether you're a fan of the Zags or the Hawks, it's got it's gonna be one of the most entertaining college basketball games of all year. You know what I'm predicting though? I am predicting a single overtime victory for the Hawks uh, with with twenty seconds to go. Jordan Bohannon's gonna hit a three to to, to get us the win. That's what's going to happen. I love it. I love it. (laughs) 